Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Boom Goddess Podcast Project with your hosts, myself, Dr. Andrea Goldmarks, Jennifer Davis-Page, and Bibi Peters. This podcast aims to ignite inspiration in primetime women by creating a super learning community, a safe space for all women to contribute their voices and visions. For more information on this episode, and to learn more, visit us at BoomGoddessRadio.com. You're listening to Boom Goddess Radio, and today we're trying something a little bit different. We've got a live audience in our beautiful Vivachi restaurant in downtown Tucson, Arizona, and we are um, inviting our audience to ask questions that have been on their minds about building relationships particularly dating relationships later on in life. And we're excited about this topic kind of on the heels of what we have featured in our last couple of episodes, which is the foundation of friendship. So we're kind of making a segue from friendships to relationships. And so this is Bibi Peters. Uh, Dr. Andrea, do you think that it's actually possible to have many friends with men and women and close relationships? And how impactful is that on one's life? It's the main source of satisfaction. And as we've said before, the key to health and longevity. The other beautiful thing is that we come to learn about ourselves through our relationships. And maybe our first relationships may be loaded in the direction of same-sex relationships. When we're young, we may have many girlfriends. Um, And that forms a kind of template for intimacy. So it's very interesting to reflect on the kinds of dynamics that build good friendships and that ultimately lead into good relationships and even romantic relationships. I like how you use the word intimacy because I often associate that with uh, men, but there's so much of that beautiful thought in getting um, along and speaking to our women friends too, right? I think another aspect of intimacy is really honest communication where we can, as individuals, confront the truth that we're experiencing whether we're feeling something or we're thinking something, it's that truth-telling that builds the intimacy. And how do you get to the truth? What's the process to get there? I think this is such an interesting conversation in light of what I expect will um, be thematic in our conversation today. The truth is being able to be attuned to the thoughts and sensations that constitute our psyche, 
In other words, how do we feel? So if you asked me, how do I feel? That would cause me to reflect on the feelings that are coursing through me physically, as well as the thoughts. And I think that takes some practice to tune in to those kinds of thoughts and feelings. And almost uh, it's as though giving ourselves the permission or allowing us to experience those feelings and those questions within ourselves. That self-attunement is, is necessary in order for us to be able to form functional attachments or intimacy with anybody, with a friend, with a lover, with our children, with our parents. Sometimes, um, I think as women mature, and especially after they have been in a relationship with a man, and now they're on their own, it seems that they're very hungry, or they're very eager to find that right person, that soulmate. And maybe at times they don't give themselves enough time to find their own truths. So I'm really looking forward to this morning's presentation that Carolyn's going to be doing because we have a set of terrific questions from our audience. You know, Bibi, it strikes me that aside from us knowing ourselves is the opportunity for us to really come to know even more about ourselves through being in relationship, particularly through being in honest friendships, where we can say what we're really feeling, where we can confront another person, where they can confront us, where they can keep us honest. So I think that there's a lot to be learned from friendships in general, and now for us to get a bird's eye view of what a relationship expert might let us in on about dating and forming new relationships later on in life. Let's open that door. Hello, everyone. We're going to get back together again. That's yeah, okay. He's, hi. Hi, everyone. So we're getting back together again. We're getting back on track. And I know that you're having lovely discussions, but I know that you're having wonderful conversations, but we're going to begin the introduction process of our speaker. And um, lunch will be served during the presentation. Not sounding so good. There's a little bit of uh, noise, a background noise. This is okay, right? Can everyone hear me at all the tables? Yes, you can hear me fine. No, Lynn Ray, you, can you hear me now? Is this better? Okay, when everyone is quieted down, can you hear me okay? Oh, okay, perfect. This is good. Thank you. Yes. So we're going to begin a little bit early to give everyone enough time for questions and the wonderful presentation. So allow me to introduce our guest speaker. Carolyn Bouchang is a licensed professional counselor, a dating coach, a marriage counselor, and life coach. 
She has been helping women and men, married and single, improve their lives and relationships in her own private practice for more than 40 years. Carolyn has, a, has appeared as an expert on the Oprah show four times, as well as The View and other TV shows. She has published three relationship books, Loving Him Without Losing You, The Seven Dumbest Re Relationship Mistakes Smart People Make, and Bring Back the Man You Fell in Love With. These books are available for purchase on her website, carolynsays.com, and it's carolynsays.com, as well as on Amazon. Let's give a warm welcome to Carolyn Bouchon. And they wanted me to say a little bit about the Oprah show, so I'm going to start with that. That's why I said we, could, we should start a few minutes early. So I got, finally got my first book published in 1989 after trying for about eight or nine years. And the first thing I did is have my secretary send copies of it to the Oprah show, of course, and all the other talk shows. Nothing happened. I would call and follow up, nothing. We sent three different books, nothing. It came, my book came out in like September or October. And so then in um, December, or no, I think it was Thanksgiving, my boyfriend and I went to Mexico and no cell phones back then. So I had a secretary who was supposed to pick up all the calls in case there was anything important. And um, nothing, nothing happened. I get all the way home to my mountain house and the Oprah show has called my home phone number the producer has and says we have a show called wives held captive in their own homes and we decided that your we decided that your book we saw it on a list of books and saw and decided that your book loving him without losing you uh, would be good on our show but we have to book it in the next couple of days and we are going to go ahead and interview other people so my heart dropped Anyway, I called them back, chatted with them, and they, and they booked me immediately. So we had no problem. And then I did lots of, I did four other shows with her back when she was doing relationships shows instead of a bunch of stars. So um, I also want, so I've had three books published since then. That was a little tiny publishing house. And I didn't sell that many copies after being on the Oprah show because guess what? The publishing house didn't publish very many. So we sold out of them, but there weren't, wasn't enough to make these millions of dollars that you hear about. So, but the best part probably was that Random House called me after that. So my second book, Loving, um, The Seven Dumbest Relationship Mistakes Smart People Make, um, Random House, and I got the big advance, and I got a, a hard copy, and then paperback, and all of those kinds of things. And then my third book, bring back the man you fell in love with, Little House again, and didn't do that well. So, I mean, you ne never know what's going to happen. Also, um, I was going to tell you a little bit about me. I've been in a uh, live-together relationship for 28 years. I was single for 15. So I haven't been single uh, over 50, 
but I have been, I was single in my 30s. I lived in Aspen. And um, so it's, you know, very different in a live together relationship as far as I think it's a little better as far as you don't have all of the, uh, the to-dos or the wife things that you're supposed to do and that kind of thing. Anyway, question number one that I got is what is, or if you have a comment, what is the acceptable time to wait for a physical relationship when you want a lasting relationship, not a one-night stand? Oh, oh, that's right. You have um, a flyer, but it doesn't have the answer to every question on it, just a couple of the long ones, okay? So five dates is how long you should wait. And that's not really that much different over 50 than when you're younger as far as what you should do. Most people don't do it, but it's what you should do. Or you should wait until you feel like he really likes you as a human being and that he has followed through on a lot of things that he said he would do, like whether he said he would call and he followed through on dates, all kinds of things that he said he would do. Because if not, you need to wait longer for more respect. Question number two, how do I vet guys on a first date or in an online profile to find out the red flags before we get in too deep? And do we call them out when they give us a suspicious answer? First of all, yes. <laughs> you call them out when they give you a suspicious answer. Here are some of the questions that I think you should ask. Number one, how long have you been single and do you date a lot? When you need to know, has there been time since his last relationship? Is he a player? Is he a loner? Uh, you try to gather as much information off of that as you possibly can. Uh, question number three, and these are on your sheets, so. Um, okay, so number three, how close, ask them, how close are you to your family, your adult kids, your grandchildren? Um, again, you need to find out if he's totally distant from his family, there's a clue. But also, if he's building his life around his grandchildren or his children, that's another issue that might concern you. Number four, have you ever been to, and name some ex expensive place or restaurant or whatever, what we're trying to dig out here is if he's cheap. <laughs> um, not that he has to go there early on in a first date or anything, but if he says, oh my God, I, you know, I wouldn't go there or whatever, it gives you a clue. Uh, number five is just a simple thing. Just have them tell you things about yourself. I remember when I first started dating Alan, I just said, I think I have been too open with you, which is a thing we should not do, be more open than they are. And I said to him, um, I think I've been too open with you, and so I feel like you need to answer a bunch of questions. And he said, like what? And I said, tell me everything about yourself from the first day that you remember. Anyway, he told me all kinds of things, but I mostly had to dig them out, of course. So um, you can see, though, when somebody starts telling you about themselves, what's important to them in life. And that's key for getting to know someone. Number six, you ask him, how about we meet 
at this other place different than the one you suggested. We're trying to find out at this point how controlling he is, how stubborn he is, how rigid he might be. Also, you know, a lot of times, I know women usually believe the man should pay for the first date, but a lot of times if you pay, you will also find out if he's controlling or not because controlling people, they feel like they need to pay. Number seven, of course, where do you live? Do you live alone? Do you live in a house? Do you live in an apartment? Where do you live? Again, we're just gathering information. What part of town is it? Does he own his own house? Does he have roommates? Does he have grown kids living with him? Does he have, basically, does he have enough money to take care of himself? That's what we want to know, so that you won't have to take care of him. And number eight, what do you do most days? Do you work? Do you have hobbies? Is he active? Is he a workaholic? Is he taking care of someone at home? We just want to know all these things. Question number three. Is there a, okay, this is a relationship question for those of you not dating. Um, some of these things carry over into a relationship, but this was just a pure relationship question. Is there a gauge of some type that can be used to determine if I should stay or leave my marriage? Of course, number one point under it, and this is on your sheet, is if you're no longer in love with him, but you just love him like family. I know a lot of times people like companionship and they will go ahead and stay, but you need, if you're not in love. Number two, if he refuses to, to cooperate in solving the relationship problems, then you need to think about leaving. Number three, if you have resentments that can't be resolved. Number four, if he no longer adds value to your life or he is holding you back. Number five, you need to leave if you're staying for all the wrong reasons like guilt, children, what others will think. Number six, you need to leave if there are deal breakers in the relationship like lying, like physical violence, like emotional abuse, drugs, trouble with the law or if he's sabotaging you in any way. Number seven, you need to leave if you can't be yourself in the relationship. Romantic loving, it doesn't have to be a lot of sex at this age or whatever, but it has to be about desire and wanting to be with that person. All right, question number four. I'm a really nice person and after a few months of dating, I often find myself helping the guys I date. Sometimes it's with their problems, and a few times I helped them with money. Is this really so bad? It usually makes us feel closer. <laughs> Maybe for about five minutes. <laughs> it's a huge mistake. Of course, everybody knows that. But we, some people still do it. I've got several clients right now who, after knowing a guy for two months, she helped him pay his rent on his business. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So what happens, of course, is lots of resentments build up over time, especially if there's not a deal in place, a payment plan in place, all of those kind of things, but they seldom, they seldom work. Loaning someone you care about money uh, or trying to tell them how to live their life and what, 
what to do in life in any way is going to cause resentment on his part. Now, a lot of us think that helping others is a good thing, which I'm not saying it isn't, but not with someone that you're in love with or in a relationship with. Because what people usually don't realize is that someone that you give to may be slightly appreciative, but they also will resent you because you're able to give to them. It will, it will cause resentment to them. And it also changes the relationship because uh, a healthy relationship is an equal relationship. And this will throw it out of balance so there is no more equality in the relationship. And if you're giving him money, you might wonder why he's with you. Question number five, what about dating younger men? Let's break for a moment and we'll be right back with Carolyn Bouchong. Listening to the Boom Goddess podcast. This is BB Peters, and we're here with Carolyn Bouchong. And we're addressing questions submitted by our audience. The question I'm a successful woman, and I like younger men, even if they are financially unstable. After all, men do it all the time. What are the pros and cons? The pros, we all know the pros. It's fun, and the young guys are better in bed usually, and it's nice to have the control for a change. I remember the first time I dated a younger man, took him out to dinner, and said, you can have anything on the menu, even the lobster. (laughs) I felt so powerful at the time. It didn't last very long, though, about six months. The cons are that you're probably going to find yourself parenting this person. And yes, men do it all the time with women, and they usually are controlling them and parenting, parenting them when they do. Because again, it's an out-of-balance relationship. Also, I had a client who, she was an attorney, a divorce attorney, and she started dating um, a younger man that she met online, And he was poor, of course, too. And um, she said, I, you know, I still care for him. I just got tired of paying for all the dinners and all the trips that we took. Number six, since there are slim pickings at our age, many friends of mine settle. And then they seem apologetic about it. What do you think? Should we settle? Of course not. Of course not. Except that finding the right guy at this age is harder than when we were young. But um, personally, I would rather be alone. But that's not true about everybody. A lot of people settle for companionship, simple companionship. And you know what, though? Everybody has a right to their own values. So if somebody decides to stay with somebody for that reason, and and they feel like they're settling, though, they have every right to do it. So it's up to whatever each person wants. Especially, a lot of times, women would rather do that, maybe men too, but they would rather do that than go through all the trouble it is to try to date. Number seven, what is the best way to find dateable men if I don't like going to bars or using Match or eHarmony? Which, by the way, on my website, I do have a list of... of, um, Uh, Match, eHarmony, all of those on my website so that you can look at them and pick what you would like the best or what's most best for this age group. 
Okay. Most Im important is uh, in meeting men is being friendly. And a lot of times we're so nervous or uptight, we're not being friendly. But there's a lot of men to meet in the grocery stores, out shopping, in a doctor's office, all sorts of places, if you are friendly and smiling. Now, yeah, they could be married, and then you have to deal with that. But <laughs> um, Also, I do believe in going to meetup groups, other meetup groups that have men in them. And, you know, meeting men there. And, of course, the regular take on hobbies were there. A lot of men, you know, I told my boyfriend I was doing this. And he said, golf, tell them all golf. There's a gazillion guys out there playing golf. Um, and you can also ask friends to fix you up. There's no magical place. And you know what I agree with the most is the idea, and I did this myself too after my first marriage, I took time to grow and change and get to know myself so that I knew more what I wanted and so that the next time I wouldn't make the same mistakes. But also another good point is that a lot of times your girlfriends know better than you do <laughs> what's good for you. They're like, uh-uh, this one's the same old pattern. <laughs> exactly. Okay, number eight. Okay, we hear a lot about being authentic, but how much should I share about myself on the first date? In general, you only share as much as he does. Right? Make sure that you aren't like an open book and telling him all of the things about you because he can use them against you. Uh, I mean, even with my own guy, Right at the beginning, I told him some things about issues with my father and things like that. And so one time when we were having a fight, he said, oh, yeah, well, I know you have bad father issues. And I'm like, don't you even, okay? But he hadn't shared much about his childhood or anything that was going on. Uh, but also, it's good to be a little bit mysterious and let them wonder about you. And, uh, of course, key things is don't let them know how much money you have. If you've had a, an extremely wild past. Uh, a <laughs> little too soon. It's a gradual, it's a gradual opening up process where you let someone gradually get to know you. And remember, it's also a sales, a sales job that you're doing. You're selling yourself, okay? Do you walk in to sell you? I mean, if you're gonna sell a car, do you say it's got three dents in the back and the oil's leaking? Okay, no. No, you, you show a good front, and I'm not saying that you lie or that you do not be authentic. You just don't give too much information yet. And it's got to be at the same rate that he opens up. Besides that, we don't have to find someone who is identical to us in any way. The differences bring good stuff to the relationship. They, they keep it interesting. So, okay, um, number nine. What do you do when you really like a guy and he doesn't call back or he calls sometimes and then weeks go by? Is it okay to call him? No. Not in the early stages. Not in the early stages. Do not chase. Men like women that they have to work for. 
they have if they don't put any investment into trying to get that woman then they disrespect her they don't respect her as much they don't value her as much but you know at this age if you meet somebody you really like and you have their phone number and you've spent time around them or whatever you can do sneaky kinds of ways okay like come up with an indirect reason like did i leave my sweater in your car or at that party or um you know do things to accidentally run into him but no direct calls okay <laughs> in fact if he is often on with you and this is true even if you're just in another relationship if you're in a relationship this isn't just for dating if your husband is often on with you if the men you're dating are often on with you you need to be more rejecting than them oh yeah okay because everybody has rejection buttons so at the point that someone doesn't call us back or doesn't get in touch with us again or whatever we feel rejected right okay well when men feel rejected too they just don't talk about it I they're my clients they feel rejected too so the thing is is to put it back in play that they have to chase you you have to be just a little colder to them than they are to you to reverse the rejection again. Oh, no, you can't be obvious. It's that you can't be obvious is, is the point. No, you don't get mad. I, you didn't call me and blah, blah, blah and all that. No, no, you don't go into a rage or anything. You just pull away. Emotionally, you pull away more than him. Oh, yes, I think the older men really do want a connection more than the younger men. The younger men want to be with their buddies hanging out. The older men, I think they do want some companionship and, and sex. No. Yep. Number 10, if, okay, if I haven't had sex in 10 years, what can I do to get ready for it again? I have a client who called me about a different issue, but it was about dating several different men at once. But anyway, she said that her gynecologist told her that not only do you need to masturbate, you need to insert something inside. And he said, if you don't, sometimes it ends up the size of a pencil that you can't even get a pencil in. So you, know, you do have to work at it. But also, just to feel sexy, you need to buy some new sexy clothes and look at yourself in the mirror. And, uh, and if you don't have a sex drive, talk to your doctor about hormones maybe and um, especially testosterone gives you a sex drive. Question number 11, and this is a simple answer. How do women get out of a new dating relationship gently when there's no chemistry? You say, uh, you're a nice person, but this doesn't feel right to me. <laughs> I had a man say that to me once, okay? And we had already had sex. And then he said, let's be friends. And I said exactly that. I've got plenty of friends. Thanks anyway. Yeah, that's why you want to wait till the fifth date. <laughs> Question 12. Question 12. Question 12. And this, this was one of my clients. I had a problem with this. I haven't dated in quite a few years, and now two men want to date me. How do I choose? You don't choose. You date them both. I had a client call me, and she said, I have an old boyfriend. Just called me once to get back together, but I met another guy two weeks ago, 
and he lives in Texas and I'm flying out to see him. And what should I do? I don't want to be dishonest with either one of them. And I said, you're not in a relationship. Of course, you date them both. And um, I call it leveraging with men. I wrote an article on it that you, you, okay, you pick several, like in the stock markets, you pick several stocks and see how they're doing, okay, and, and see how they perform, exactly. And, as, and so as some perform well and others don't, you pull your money or love out of, that, out of one of them and put it in the other until you decide which is best for you. If you're comfortable with it, you can be sexually intimate. You have made no promises. You've made no deals with this guy. And not about the sex part, but about uh, dating several men at once. You should also let him know, not blatantly, but if he says, are you dating anyone? Say, yeah, I'm dating around. Um, I'm dating around. And don't hide it. If he says, what are you doing Friday night? I have plans. Um, you know, and if they ask any more questions, oh, yeah, it's, it's someone else that I'm dating. You need to let them know, and often they try harder for you at that point. <laughs> Once they know that there's some competition, men like competition. Okay. Um, last one that you guys gave me, and then we'll open it up to any other questions that you might have. Um, number 13, how should I handle it when a guy tries to rush me or is too clingy? And this can happen in a relationship too besides just dating. Don't give in. Always keep your own friends and life going. I think you probably know that at this age. But um, when he wants you to do things, tell him you're busy. Tell him you have other plans. Keep that going. But also speak up and tell him. You're moving too fast. This is making me uncomfortable. And set some boundaries such as, um, I only want you to uh, call me once a week, or we can only go out once a week, or whatever it is that you want, you tell him that yourself. Can you comment on the pitfalls of online dating uh, through eHarmony and Match and so forth. I know of a dear friend whose husband passed away. She lives in Saddlebrook and within like four months or so she was uh, communicating with someone online who turned out uh, to be a uh, an imposter and a thief and what and asked her to send uh, $1,500 to India to uh, pay for his airfare uh, and of course she was at her most vulnerable at that point and sh and he was very uh, appreciative or demonstrative to her from a loving way in emails. She has not met him yet at this point. So there is there is so much fear around that issue out there. It's happening everywhere. I mean, that's a, that's a giant one right now. In fact, uh, we have a friend whose sister has done that and she's kept sending money and she's emptied her entire savings, her entire bank account, and they have just had her committed at this point. I also have a client who uh, was online with a guy that lived in San Francisco and they kept talking about he was going to come to visit her and he canceled at the last minute without telling him she got on a plane and headed to his address in San Francisco and met the wife and children. 
I mean, um, all you can do is to keep giving them questions. You keep, you do not ever send money. Never, ever, 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 ever send money. I don't care how wonderful they are. It's always a scam. Parting words for success for women meeting men? Um, I don't know. Enjoy it. Yeah, have fun. Um, don't settle for the first one that comes along. Uh, date, really important to date more than one at a time. And the things I talked about today um, on this flyer at the bottom is the eight dating rules. Don't close off your options too soon. Don't chase. Don't invest too much in him too soon. Don't give too much. Don't open up any more than he does. Don't have sex too soon. Don't mess your identity with his. And don't keep quiet when you don't like something. Speak up. Thank you so much. And then for the men, I hope you've learned a ton here, okay? Because these are like secrets being shared. So don't, don't be acting like you're not listening, all right? Thank you, everyone, for coming. Please enjoy the conversations, and we'll see you next month. Thank you. So this is B.B. Peters with the Boom Goddesses and our lovely afternoon speaker and presenter, Ms. Carolyn Bouchon, who is very famous in her own right uh, after having appeared on the Oprah show four times, was speaking to our fantastic group and we're so happy to be here to do an afterglow thank you that group was certainly motivated and everybody had a question whether they asked it or they didn't ask it but one of the things that seemed to be addressed one way or the other um, is the the fact that a lot of women are not secure about what to do in the dating process. Not very savvy about what, they're, what they need to be doing and um, they're not sure whether they should be having sex or dating a lot of people or not. Yeah, and so, and, and it sounds like a lot of the difficulties are grounded in issues related to self-esteem, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. Well, that's almost always true. Um, I have a 50-year-old a client. She just turned 50, and we're digging into the self-esteem issues now that she's the one that gave money to a guy in a couple months after mm -hmm. she met him mm -hmm. and, of course, poured her heart out, mm -hmm. and he walked away and, of course, had sex with him. And um, now we're dealing with her self-esteem issues, and they came from her mother, and um, we're working through the deeper issues. But can you imagine how damaged she is now for any future gentleman that might might be uh, a, a wonderful companion? Mm -hmm. But now because of this, I'm thinking that she might be very turned off. Well, with she even also the thought of meeting someone else. She also had a, a, a husband who was abusive okay. before that, and so actually no. She's in therapy with me, and we are really working it through, and I'm giving her advice. She's dating online right now, okay. and I'm giving her advice on how to handle every step of the way. Well, I wish her well. And I would think that at a certain point in time, um, 
people who are dating would have learned a considerable amount through their experiences in the prior years, but it appears that women continue to be kind of, you know, fragile and have fears around this topic. That same lady said to me, if I had known these things about dating, I would have never made all these mistakes. She's like, I can't even believe this information. I never had it. And she's 50. But you're right. People women and men, I have male clients too, they usually just repeat their same patterns, different guy. So as a therapist, if you're up against a pattern, how, and usually those patterns are so long standing, mm-hmm. like you said, mm-hmm. her mother was a major contributor to that. Mm-hmm. Um, how, do you go, how do you go about in the pattern breaking aspect? Um, well, in therapy, I mean, it's pretty hard to break a pattern without getting into therapy. Although, you know, my book about the seven dumbest relationship mistakes can help. You see the pattern that you've been doing. Like, I have been acting like a victim in every single relationship. And so I have to stop doing that. But it's harder than that to change. So what I do with the client is try to find out where it started. I mean, we were all victims as children. We had someone controlling us. But then into the relationships, maybe the first husband, maybe the father, where did it first come from? And people don't like this, but I have them confront that person. And if they're dead, I have them write a confrontation letter. I think it's really important. A lot of people don't know that they can deal with the dynamics of a relationship that no longer exists and can be extremely, extremely liberating. Well, especially when they're able to play both parts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when they're able to play both the the part of the victimizer as well as the part of the victim in their own head, Mm -hmm. then there's a chance that they can really break up that pattern because Mm -hmm. they can really see it from being in it. True, but I actually, I actually have them go to the person if they're still alive and deal with their father or well not an ex-husband because we want no contact there but but you're right if they can see both sides that's good or feel both sides mm-hmm. feel are yeah. men are, do men have the same problems in terms of dating i mean we're talking about women right now but do, mm-hmm. do they have the same vulnerabilities that women have yes. generally um yes and no um, they do, a lot of them do, but a, a lot of them have more of the controlling aspects as they've modeled after their fathers. Mm-hmm. And they don't see that when they get into a relationship, they're doing controlling things. Mm-hmm. And so I give them dating advice on how to take it a little easier with the, with the woman and um, not, not be controlling. But usually it's from a parent or something at that point too or the last relationship that they were in. Do you find that women generally after they lose their husbands don't want to marry again, don't want to commit to a marriage like that? And I find when I talk to men that have lost their wives, no. they want to they, they want to get it. right back into exactly. another relationship. No, well, a lot of women don't. Yes, that's what I that's what I've heard. But I think a lot of it is the way the whole traditional relationship has been set up. I think that when women lose a husband, not that it doesn't hurt, because of course it does, but a lot of times they feel free, mm-hmm. and they want to keep the freedom. Right. Men feel, and I'm overgeneralizing, of course, but men feel uh, needy, because actually men are, a lot of, in a lot of ways, more needy than women. 
for the companionship because they don't talk to their buddies. They don't share all the information, the emotional part. So I, I love what you say about that because this, for us women then, the issue of friendships and the closeness that we develop with our women friends is so important and so, um, so um, nourishing and inspiring mm -hmm. to our hearts and it souls. Is. Well, we don't have that barrier to get over when mm -hmm. we're asking for nurturance or we're needing nurturance, like I might be able to say, I might be able to call you up and say, oh, I need an hour mm -hmm. just, just to be heard. Right. Mm -hmm. A man has to cross that sexual boundary in order to have his needs met. Exactly. And mm -hmm. um, I just want to go back again to um, men being so hardwired mm -hmm. to protect that that protection somehow um, actually gets blended into that control aspect. Oh, it absolutely does. And so they come by it mm -hmm. quite honestly in their in their DNA. It just doesn't play very well, especially with, with women, women of no. our generation who no. really... But you um, fall down, don't cry. I yeah. mean, that's what they learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And so um, uh, even with my own guy, I remember when he was in the middle of his divorce and um, he started crying and he went, oh, sorry. Oh, my God. I won't do that again. I know how weak I look. And I said, I feel closer to you than ever. Yeah, yeah. Women love when men are able to share their vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned before in the conversation with the larger group um, about not disclosing as a woman um, at a different rate than a man discloses. Right. And it's, it's hard for women to not do it. Yeah, well, women want to do it. Right. Well, that's a woman's way of We're being sharers. close. We're yes. sharers. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes. Absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. But when a man shows some vulnerability mm -hmm. and then some responsibility or some acknowledgement or mm -hmm. awareness of his vulnerability, right. then we begin to build that emotional maturity, that EQ that right. we were talking about mm -hmm. earlier, which is really emotional intelligence. When we it begin is. to see signs of emotional intelligence in a man, or when we know how to look for signs of emotional intelligence in a man. There's an article or a book. I mean, they did, there is a book on emotional intelligence, but I mean, uh, how we could spot it in a man. Uh, I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. I'm, <laughs> I'm all for researching <laughs> it and going for it. I do it. Yeah. Let's take a little break here, just for a couple of seconds, and we'll be right back. So here we are at Vivace with Carolyn Bouchang and us goddesses, Jen Davis-Page, B.B. Peters, and myself, Dr. Andrea. We're talking about dating over 50. And do you think that, I wonder if the age of women, in our group we had women in their 50s and 60s and up, and do women feel at times that perhaps their time is running out, so mm -hmm. they let go of that intellectual, in that intelligence, and sort of get to... Uh, involved too quickly in a, a risky not as much as young women young women are the worst mm. young women are the worst no, you mean like in their 20s and 30s in their 20s and 30s is when they really let go and they just follow their heart not their head jump in too soon i've got a lot of clients in their 20s and no they do more wrong things than older well, women well they feel quite desperate you know the old mm -hmm, biological clock 
ticking kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I have a client right. uh, who very much wanted to complete a relationship and be able to, you know, move it to the next stage, not complete it, but mm-hmm. to move it to the next stage so that she could have a baby. And it's she's 33, she's 34, and it's beginning to feel quite desperate. And at that point, because of the desperation, not because of her personality, not because of the guy, mm-hmm. but she will begin to do things that would drive her partner away. away because of that desperation. And that desperation is really just just in her mind. It is. You know, this right. is not, I mean, biological clocks now have been extended. Mm-hmm. A lot I mean, longer, mm-hmm. right? Into way the 40s. longer. I mm-hmm. had a, yeah, I mean, I've had clients so in their 50s mm-hmm. having so, babies. So that's a topic, right? To uh, talk about how to pass through that desperation, how to get out of that, whether it be women who are in their 20s or 30s or 50s or plus, no. <laughs> right? It's but how to get out of that mental mm-hmm. state so that you can approach a dating relationship. Mm-hmm. I And what you said earlier about older women, I think more what you said about older women, a lot of them are like, I'm okay alone. Mm-hmm. I'm just right. fine. I don't want to, when when my mother got a divorce, I said, Mom, are you cheating on Dad? And she said, you think I want another damn man in my life? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that there's a lot generationally that um, this generation of women who are 50 and beyond, these baby boomers, have had the opportunity to feel that they are their own support. They've had an opportunity Mm -hmm. to build their support systems. Mm -hmm. They have been validated far more than previous generations for their independence and for their resourcefulness. Mm -hmm. And I think that that would be curious to see how that affects subsequent generations. But most of the time, if people have had a marriage and they've raised children, Some of that desperation goes away. Most of that desperation goes away. They've been there, done that. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that they don't enjoy the companionship. No, or that they don't want a man in their lives necessarily. For the energy of the man. Not always for sex, not Mm -hmm. always for marriage, not always to be supported. Mm -hmm. But there are women, myself included, that Mm -hmm. really enjoy male energy. Right. And that in itself, you know, even many the energy of many men, men who fix things, men who enjoy, (laughs) men who enjoy. My guy doesn't fix things. (laughs) Sometimes you need. But he pays for it to be done. Right. A great variety of men in one's life if one isn't you know, formally married or formally No, but even just a male point of view. Yeah. A lot of times I just want to run things past my guy that I've been with for 28 years uh, to get his point of view because he might say something that I go, you know, I didn't think about that. One of the things we has been one of the very surprising findings is that we have many men, and even though we haven't launched this program officially, so we haven't invited the thousands of people that are on our mailing list. Thousands of thousands. Right? (laughs) Thousands of people (laughs) that are on our mailing list. The men who have listened in have... They say they listen all the way through, whereas a lot of women listen for 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. then they pick it up again after 10 and Mm -hmm. pick it up again when they Mm -hmm. go home. Mm -hmm. The men are like glued, you know, like in the olden days, Mm -hmm. glued to the radio on the table. They are fascinated with what we're talking about. But see, I think the older men get, the more desperate they get. Whereas it's the young women that are desperate. Tell me what you mean by that. The older men... um, 
okay, when they're younger, they're having fun, they're with their buddies, they may be having kids, be in a family, or whatever, and again, they're lonelier than women are. So they get older, and they want somebody to talk to. And they're more isolated. They're way and, more isolated. And they want and they want someone to care for them in tender ways. Right. Also, though, Jung, uh, the famous Carl Gustav Jung, always talked about the fact that beyond midlife, women tend to get more in touch with their masculine side, mm -hmm. and men tend to get more in touch with, with their, their feminine, feminine side. Mm -hmm. That makes so, sense. So, right, mm -hmm. in addition to their need, you know, their need and their isolation, mm -hmm. they also finally realize the value of... Emotional connection. Right, and sensitivity. Right. Right, and they're mm -hmm. less... Um, they're less afraid of being um, called uh, some kind of a derogatory Wimp name or um, or worse or worse <laughs> right <laughs> for no. showing <laughs> those emotional sides and many of the intelligent ones have already understood that the more they show that sensitive side the more women are interested in them mm -hmm. they've lived long enough right. to see right how to that, that plays yeah mm -hmm. well we probably could go on for another two hours mm -hmm. you know catching up and talking about all these things so I would like to invite uh, Carolyn to join us at a future um, episode okay. and podcast and we can continue talking about it but this is a marvelous uh, wrap-up uh, did you have any final it's been it's it's been filled with information Okay. and uh, the okay. women that were with us today and and the goddesses here uh, feel that we've gotten a lot out of it. I mean, you, when you start dating in your older years, and it was, it was, you filled in a lot of gaps for a lot of women today, and we really appreciate Good, that. I'm so glad. We really appreciate nice. that. Good. Thank you for being with us, You're Carolyn. welcome. I enjoyed it. We've enjoyed you. We welcome your suggestions. Please visit our website at boomgoddessradio.com. Reach out to us. Use the Contact Us tab. Let us know what you think and what kind of topics you'd like to hear. Thank you for tuning in today. This is Dr. Andrea, Jennifer, and Bibi, your Boom Goddesses, signing off. Each voice of wisdom shares ripples out into our universe and inspires so many others. Namaste. For technical reasons, portions of this program have been pre-recorded.